Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're here with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor at Rise. And so on behalf of my wife, Erica, and our kids and all of our staff and pastors here at the church, we're so happy that you made it out today. Even if you are here with us for the very first time as a guest, we're honored that you took a chance and come check us out here at Pedrotti's Northwind Ranch. We're so happy that you're with our family. I always encourage all those who come for the very first time to come at least three times. Everybody say three times. My, our church knows this. I say this every weekend. And the reason I do that is because I know that when I go to a new place and I'd never been there, it's hard for me to get the right impression on the first impression. And so we always try to hey, come back three times. Hopefully you'll find family with us today. And so we're so glad that you're here with us. Also want to welcome everybody watching on Facebook Live online right now. Maybe you're in your PJs or you're watching at a separate time. So glad that you're with us. Uh, you can also follow along on our YouVersion notes and our Bible app. Also, if you have your phone out, uh, we'd love for you to encourage. We highly encourage you. Go ahead and check in on Facebook. Facebook and let people know that you're here. One of the reasons we do that is because we found that a lot of the people that I talked to and how they got connected was through a check-in. And so they would, people, one of your friends will see like, oh, they went to Rise Church. I didn't know you wanted to go. I wanted to try it out. And so it's a great connector. So go ahead and do that right now. We're going to be in the uh, book of Mark chapter four, Mark chapter four inside the Bible. If you're not familiar with scripture or the Bible at all, you know, I highly encourage you to get a Bible. If you don't have one, come let us know. We'll try to get one into your hands. Mark is what we call in the, is a book of the Bible inside the New Testament. And it's one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the four books that uh, the New Testament starts with. And uh, it's really the life of Jesus. They call them the Gospels because it's the life of Jesus preaching the Gospel. And so uh, we're going to be in Mark chapter number four, if you have your Bibles. Um, and uh, we're excited. We're going to talk today starting a brand new series called Scared to Death. And uh, the reason we wanted to do that is because, you know, right now is the season of being scared, right? You know, it's Halloween and, and uh, everybody's kind of thinking about fear. But what I've realized is that fear is an incredibly powerful thing in all of our lives. And God has something to say about how we deal with fear. And so that's what we're going to talk about over the next several weeks. Uh, just is a sermon series. We kind of teach in sermon series format here at the church. And so I'm excited to get into it. Mark chapter four. But before we start, I want to give you some context. This is kind of towards the beginning part of the ministry of Jesus. And so Jesus lives 33 years. He has a three-year ministry. It starts when he's 30. And so he, he's kind of at the beginning part of his ministry. He's already preached at the Sermon on the Mount, which was a great sermon that he preached on top of a mountaintop. And he comes down, does some healing, has some miracle moments. He's already been in ministry with people. He's called people to be with him. And then it picks up in Mark chapter 4 in a unique moment with him and his disciples on a sea. And so Mark chapter 4, we're going to pick it up. If you you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, we're going to put them on the screens. And it says this. It says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Now, I want to pause there for a minute. You need to understand that sometimes God's going to cause you or ask you or insist that you move out of your comfort zone and get from one place to the next, right? So like there's going to be parts of your life where you're going to have a moment with God and it's going to be his idea to get you onto the, the lake. And, and so we're going to find out what happens because this is kind of counter Christian culture, but we're going to keep going. He says in verse 36, he says, so they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind. And although other boats followed, I like this, this is important. He says then in verse 37, but soon a fierce storm, ever say fierce, come on, like you mean it, say fierce. Yeah, fierce storm, big storm, like a seismos storm, like is really the Greek words there. It's a big deal. This is not a small storm. Came up, and high waves were breaking into the boat, and he began to fill with water. This is interesting. Verse 38, he says, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Now, isn't that interesting how you and I will get into moments with God that he asked you and I to get to? He's sleeping while we're freaking out. Anyone else? Okay, good. We're all on the same page. And then disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, Jesus, yo, 
Aren't you understanding that what you asked us to go do is now caused us to be incredibly terrified and you're sleeping, acting like ain't no big deal. And I like this because we do this with God. Don't you care? God, don't you care? Don't you care about me? Don't you care about what we're doing? Don't you care? What, will you wake up up there, God? Has anybody done that this week? Anybody had that prayer with God other than me 75 times? God, wake up. Don't you see what's going on? He says, we're going to drown. I like how he wraps it, kind of gets towards the end. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the wave, silence, be still. But I say, silence. Yeah, if you're a parent, you get that. So silence, be still. Zip it. I'm tired of you. You're done. Suddenly, the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. There was a great calm. And then he asked them, why are you afraid? You still have, like, no faith. Like, I don't understand this. How long are you going to be with me till you realize you got to have faith? I like what he says. The disciples were absolutely terrified. So they got scared from the water, and then Jesus commanded the water and the wind, and then they got even more terrified because they said, who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Jesus has got this power. There's just something inside of him. He's so unique. He's different. Every time I get around him, I can't help it. But, but see, miracles happen. And if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is really found in the question that Jesus asks his disciples. And this is the title, so you should write this down. It's, uh, you scared, bro? Uh, you, you, you scared? You, you scared? Let's pray. Father, we love you, God. Lord, I'm honestly humbled that I get to speak on a regular basis on your behalf. Lord, I did not earn this. Lord, I, I, did not, I did not deserve to be put in this position. And Lord, I speak not from my words, but from yours. And I pray that today, for whatever reason that we might be sitting in this place, God, you have a word for us. And I pray that we would, be, we would get what we need to hear individually and that your Holy Spirit would move in Jesus' name. Everybody set? Amen. Amen. You know, I, I hate this time of year. I honestly do. Uh, I like the fall, but I don't like October. And here's why. It's all about being afraid. You know, and, and some of you love to be afraid. Like some of y'all like the haunted houses and you like to go get scared. Does anybody like you, like in here, can you admit that you like to be scared? Anybody got a couple? Okay, awesome. And so some people really enjoy these. You know, you, you go to those, those weird, uh, you know, haunted houses or you go pay money to go get screamed at by some crazy people. And there's, you know, go goblins and ghouls and it's, it's all weird and there's zombies walking around. And, and every commercial you see, come on, right, like is something scary. I, I don't even really like watching TV with my children during October because every commercial is for a scary movie and and I'm just like not that guy I don't like to be scared I don't like the dark I believe in demons so I think if they're and let me just ask you guys a question this is an objective question this is even in my notes I'm just having confession pastoral time if there was a, a person that the demons wanted to go after wouldn't it be a pastor right so I just kind of think I'm on the hit list and so I'm not looking to get scared I'm not looking to invite demons in my life I'm not looking to have a conversation with them you know it's like, I get it. We're more than enough. And God, we're the head and not the tail. And I got power over demons. I get that. But I don't want to see one, right? So I don't like it. And so, but I, we, we deal with this during this time. It's all about fear. And I read this statistic the other day and it said there's something like 645 different bizarre phobias. 
that our, our world has. And I just wanted to show you a few of them because I want you to see how pervasive fear is in our life. So the top bizarre, most bizarre phobias, all right? We're going to read them and we'll see if you can guess what they are, all right? So these are, this is coraphobia, cora, maybe fear of coral or something. I don't know. What is this one? This is the fear of dancing. Does anybody have this fear? Because if you have a fear of dancing, there's something wrong with you. You're not going to like heaven. I think we're just going to dance. Next one was geliophobia. Uh, Gile, everybody say gilio. Yeah, that's weird. All right, geliophobia is uh, fear of laughter. Wow, you, you don't like to laugh. You are, uh, I, I feel bad for you. You're not going to like this church. Uh, heli, heli, helophobia, heli, hel, 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 like helicopters? Fear, fear of helicopters. Fear, uh, fear of sunlight. There are people afraid of sunlight, y'all? Y'all need, we need to pray for those people. All right, uh, de, 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 somethingophobia, the fear of dinner conversations. That's a real thing. You know, some of y'all are like, that makes total sense. My in-laws, I, I don't get it. All right, Neo, neophobia, this is uh, fear of new things. Anybody afraid of new stuff? Just like, afraid, anybody want to, like, yeah, I kind of have that phobia. All right, cygenophobia is uh, fear of relatives. Yeah, <laughs> I got that one. I, never mind. Uh, a bluetoophobia is uh, fear of washing and bathing. I want you to know that if you're afraid of that, I'm afraid of you. It just is what it is. Do we have any more? Is that, is that the last one? I think that's it. That's, we're afraid of you in general. I've just noticed, like, fear is a, a it's, just, it's just an interesting thing. And even if it might be silly like this, it honestly, I, as we look at, as a pastor, as I look at some of the things that we struggle with, most things, I'm just saying, okay, I'm not saying all, but most things that we struggle with on a regular basis, we fight with, whether it's a sin or it's a struggle has some rooted fear, and, and, and it's pervasive, and you don't even know you're afraid of something. You don't even realize that what, what you're dealing with is, is really fear-based living rather than faith-based living, and, and, and in our society today, it's incredibly apparent. Um, I read an article in Newsweek, and it said this. This is an incredible statement. I had to read this for you. Ordinary children today are more fearful than psychiatric patients were in the 1950s. That, that there are more things for us to be afraid. And it's not even because, it's not because like our society is, it could be because our society is evil. It could be because we see more things on a regular basis. It could be because of social media. It could be because of how we live our lives. I mean, life is very different than now than it was in the 1950s. And I think we could all agree, probably not for the better in some ways. And, and so because of that, we're dealing with such a high level of fear. Some of us are afraid for our kids right now. You're in here right now, and you're afraid of your kids getting sick. You're afraid of your kids having bad grades. You're afraid of your kids growing up. You're afraid of your kids not growing up. You're afraid of like what's going to happen when they grow up and when they get out of the house. You're afraid that when right now when they grow up and they go out of the house that they're going to come back. <laughs> We're just afraid. Right now, some of you in here are afraid with your spouse. Like you're in, you, with, you married someone, and you're afraid that they're never going to treat you the way that you wanted to be treated and you feel like you need to be treated. Some of you are afraid with your spouse that they're going to go spend the money that you worked so hard and you worked so hard to get and you don't understand why they can't understand a budget. And so you live in uh, this level of fear with your life. Some of you in here are afraid of, for your job. You think that one day, someday, you have like, there's no way that you're, you, you might get fired. And you think that one day, like, as long as I'm, if I just work hard enough, some of you live our lives because of that fear. And right now you work so much because you think that because you work so much, it'll keep you from being let go. And there's a bunch of people in here that know that ain't true. Amen. And so we live our lives in fear 
with every part of our lives. And if we're not careful, it can control us. I mean, I, I was looking at it, just talking to some of my, my church friends and, and pastor friends. And I re- like the church doesn't talk enough about fear. Like it's a it's a big deal nowadays. It was a big deal in Jesus's day. He in the Bible, the, the Bible records in the Gospels, Jesus saying this statement. This is one of the most it is the most quoted statement Jesus ever said. And it was fear not. 152 times he said it. Do you know the closest one that he said that was like the close second was love your neighbor and love your God? You know what, what the number was for that? It was eight. So if, if Jesus told us to fear not 152 times to eight times, I think he, he cares about it. I think he realized and understood that fear is a big deal. Now, here's why. Why did Jesus care about that? Because he knew that at the heart of all of us, anytime fear comes into our life, it produces a terrible person. Anytime you and I live out of fear, it produces the worst person inside of us. It creates us. It creates the worst version of who you are. Uncontrolled fear turns us into the worst of people. Mark chapter 4, verse 38, the disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care? And it's confusing, isn't it? Because that's what fear does. Fear corrodes our ability to see things clearly. It gives us like this, like you would think that the disciples would know that Jesus was the man. Because they just saw Jesus be the man. And yet in that moment, after they were just shown how much they, he cares for them. In that moment, fear causes them to question. So you have to ask yourself, what part of your life are you questioning? God, not because of what he did or what he didn't do, but because of what fear has done to you. Yeah, you have to ask yourself that question. Fear brings out the worst in all of us. I remember reading a story uh, about one of the pastors who stood up to Adolf Hitler. He's one of the most famous ones. His name was Martin Niemöller, and he, he, he stood up to Hitler during the time of his reign of terror. And I remember reading a story about what happened when he sat in the back of a room while Hitler was giving one of his famous speeches. And he was sitting in the back of the room, and he goes home, and his wife asks him this poignant question. He said, what, what, did, you, what did you learn about Hitler after he gave his most prominent speech and this was his statement. He said, I discovered Herr Hitler is a terribly frightened man. Why? Because fear brings out the worst in all of us. It brings out the tyrant in every one of us. An uncontrolled level of fear, if not checked, will make you into a tyrant. Jesus knew this. That's why he said fear not. So what is fear? So if that's true, what is fear? I want to just kind of give us a blanket statement of what fear is. I'm going to put it up on here. Fear is an emotion induced by perceived danger or threat. Now, we have to ask ourselves this question. Is fear, what is fear at its basic form? Fear at its basic form is a feeling. Isn't that true? So if we look at side, let's say a, a, um, a, a if we looked at like a, a, like a scale from one to 10, at the most basic form, it's really a feeling. And maybe there are some healthy forms of fear. Truth of the matter is, there's a, there's a healthy form of fear. This is the fear that allows you to run out of a burning building. Like if you get scared and the, the building's on fire, fear will cause you to run out of it. Fear can cause you to not step into a street corner. Fear can actually uh, keep you from uh, from playing with snakes and doing something dangerous. Fear keeps me from mouthing off to my wife. There is some good fear 
in the world, right? There's some good fear in the world, and there's some fear part of your life, but like unchecked and unhealthy versions of it, as it grows in your life, it starts to become a spirit. In fact, Timothy talks about this in, in, uh, when, when uh, Paul is speaking on behalf of fear. He says this, he says, for God has not given us a, a, what? a, a, a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline or a sound mind. So what he was saying was he was saying unchecked fear can grow from a feeling to a spirit to where all of a sudden now instead of you feeling it, and you having it, now it has you. And now everything that you do in your life is based on this spirit of fear. And if you and I don't check it, like if we don't get careful with it, if you don't start figuring it out, like, and you keep it from being just a feeling that protects you to now all of a sudden it's a, it's an, it's a spirit that controls you, you'll walk around and become the tyrant to everybody in your world. So, so, so the question you have to ask yourself, and this is really the goal of the series, okay? This is the goal of this, this whole message series that we're talking about. My goal at the end of this message and at the end of this series is I want you to fear less tomorrow than you do today. That's it. I want you to fear less tomorrow than you do today because all of us have some unchecked, unhealthy spirit of fear inside of us, and I want to run that demon right out of you. I, I just want, I just, I'm, I'm, I, I like, I put on my battle armor today. And so I'm going to fight for you on your behalf to the spirit of fear that's inside of all of us. Okay. So, so in the time I have left, how do we respond? How do we respond when a, uh, with a fearful moment? Cause you got to ask yourself that question, don't you? You got to ask yourself like how, if, if the disciples had a fearful moment with Jesus in, in their boat, which, by the way, just so you know, sometimes when Jesus gets into your boat, it gets worse. So I know, I know it's like, like not a popular thing to talk about. Like, you ever go to those churches and they're like, just say yes to Jesus and your life becomes amazing. And I'm like, okay. And then I gave, did anybody else give your life to Jesus? All of a sudden, you started getting shot at. Well, you just joined the team that the the bad team's trying to kill. So sometimes when Jesus gets in your boat, it doesn't always turn out that now your eternity is, is secure and, it, and, and your, your salvation is secure. Look, you're going to be good in heaven, but I'm just telling you, sometimes when Jesus gets in your boat, there's going to be a storm. You need to know how to deal with your fearful moments. Like there's going to be a moment where you're going to have to figure it out. So how do we respond to a fearful moment? We're going to look at the scriptures and figure this out. Number one is you need to respect the fear. This is like, okay, like if I'm antagonistic to anybody, I'm antagonistic to religious people. So if you ain't religious in here, you're not going to get any of this. But if you grew up in church and you're religious and you got a little bit of legalism in you, I'm going to make you mad. That's what I like to do. You need to respect the fear. You need to acknowledge the danger. Mark chapter 4 says this in verse 39. says this. He says, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence and be still. Now, I need you to see that. Jesus recognized a danger. Jesus recognized a fear. Now, I read a story. This was interesting. There's a guy named Nick Walenda, and he, he's one of the most famous tightrope walkers in all of the world. He crossed the Grand Canyon. He crossed the, um, there's the, the what's that water, the, the Niagara Falls. He walked across a tightrope over water and over the Grand Canyon. In fact, his grandfather died doing it. His whole family did it. They're all daredevils. They're all crazy in some point, right? We all look at that and we're like, that's crazy. Why would you ever do that? He's, but he's, his, so, so, but, but one of the most famous guys to do it, but he's fallen several times. His grandfather died from it. His sister actually 
fell into a coma after falling from something like that. He did it in high winds. He did it in low winds. He did it in crazy time. And so someone asked him one time, he said, how do you deal with not being afraid walking across a tightrope? He said, I respect the rope. He said, I respect the rope. They said, explain that to us. We don't understand what that means. He says, I know the downside, but I focus on the upside. In every part of my moment when I'm fearful, I know the downside, and I, but, but, but I focus on the upside. And he, to be quite honest with you, churches have gotten this wrong. In fact, especially when it comes to the downside, when it comes to fear, we teach things that are unbiblical. Can I just tell you that? Because I grew up in churches that did that, that misused and misrepresented the, the scriptures. And so when we talk about downside, what he was saying was he's saying, don't focus on that. Like, don't focus on it. Because when you focus on it, y'all ever said, like, when you walk across something high, don't look what? Don't look down. Why don't you do that? Because when you focus on the down, it paralyzes you and keeps you from moving. But the opposite is true. Don't, don't pretend. Don't ignore it. Don't act like it's not there. Because when you don't act like it's there, you run across the rope and it could just kill you. So you don't focus on the down, you don't, you don't, you notice it, you acknowledge it, I recognize it's there. If I don't take care of this and I don't respect the rope, I could fall off this, this thing could kill me like it could my grandfather. And churches have gotten this wrong when it comes to fear and disease and sickness and bad things in your life. They what they wait, this is a church, this is, and I'm not even going to label who these churches were, but they would be like, when you got sick and you would say, man, I'm sick, they'd say, don't say you're sick. Don't give it power. Don't say you're sick. What are you talking about? No, you're sick. But when the faith is not saying I'm not sick and ignoring the sickness. Faith is saying I'm sick, but the God I serve, the one that's in my boat, he's stronger than it. So I'm not going to focus on the downside. I'm going to acknowledge that I'm sick. I'm going to acknowledge that there's a problem. I'm going to acknowledge that there's a fear. I'm going to acknowledge that there's something going on. I'm just not going to look at it. Focusing on the upside is saying God is bigger than my issue. And we had churches that said, no, if you have faith, you don't say it's there. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Can we stop being a church that walks around and rebukes people and makes people feel bad when they say that they're sick, when they say they have an issue? Don't say you lost your job. No, he lost his job. Yeah. Don't make him feel bad. He lost his job. I acknowledge I lost my job, but my God's stronger than that. I'm going to focus on the upside. Yeah. So again, the legalistic spirit doesn't like that. Because it's all about what you do. When God is stronger, you can focus on the upside. Got to respect the fear. It's a real thing. A focus on the upside. I can do all things through. I like that scripture. All things through Philip. He says, I can do all things through, through, through me? No. No. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So there's crisis in my boat. So Jesus is with me. That's why you invite Jesus into your life, not to keep you from storms. It's so that you have somebody to turn to when their one comes shows up. Because yeah. one's going to show up whether Jesus is in your boat or not. Have you noticed that? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus modeled this principle. He said, I'm going to focus on, I'm going to exercise my power over this issue. Second thing is this. So you respect the fear. Second one is, is you prepare for the fear. We need to be prepared for our for fearful moments. Sometimes our struggle with fear is not because uh, we're not spiritual. It's because you didn't prepare. I'm going to say that again. You struggle and I struggle with fear, not because we're not spiritual, not because you don't love God, because you didn't prepare for the moments that are going to be afraid and make you fearful. Mark chapter 4 says this. I'll prove it to you. Jesus models this because I want to show us. He says, silence. Everybody say silence. Yeah, I like this. He's, he's, he's access the parent in him because, you know, he's like, shush. I'm sleeping. 
be still to all the moms out there. Just be quiet. Taking a nap. Y'all kids are driving me crazy. He says, suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. You have to ask yourself this question. If Jesus did it for that size of storm, like how, how, how was he able to speak to the storm? You got to remember everything he does is intentional. So if Jesus got on the water, he knew there was going to be a storm. He could have kept the storm from coming, to be quite honest with you. So if he let it happen and he models, what was he doing? He was modeling for us. Come on. And so what you have to, what you don't realize in Mark chapter 4, if you don't read Mark chapter 3, you don't realize that one chapter before, a whole season before, the day before, hours before, he's walking around telling things and little demons to be silent as well. He was rehearsing what he should have been doing, what he knew was coming for the bigger ones. Come on. So there's small battles that God is allowing you to go through, and he's wanting you to rehearse your faith at that moment and not have fear in that moment. So you might have a little moment with your money. You might have a little moment with your body and your sickness. You might have a little moment with your job. You might have a little storm with your kids. You might have a little storm. Come on, a little storm with your spouse. You might have a little storm with like everything that you're dealing with. You might have a little storm. What is he doing? He's allowing you to use and exercise your faith and not your fear so that when you get on the boat and there ain't no one to turn to, you have faith enough to count, cast a, you, instead of telling a demon to be quiet, you can tell the elements to be quiet. But you can't do that if you don't prepare. You can't do that if you don't rehearse it. You can't do that. If, like, everybody, like, I've had people come up to me and they're like, Pastor, you're like so good when you preach. Like, I like it. Like, you make me laugh and stuff. I'm like, what'd you learn? Like, nothing. I'm like, okay, thanks. But you're happy. Okay. So they're like, but you're really good. Like, you must just get up there and then you just, you know, let it fly. This took years, and I ain't even good, right? You're like, well, it's going to take years to get good. And preparation can keep you from being fearful. They asked Nick, that high-wire guy, he goes, he goes, why aren't you afraid? He goes, second reason is because I prepare like crazy. It wasn't the first time I walked across the rope. I prepare like crazy. I didn't get up there and pray. I got up there and I practiced. And some of us are afraid right now because you didn't prepare, you didn't rehearse, you didn't figure out what to do in the moment. You're freaking out. Not because you're not spiritual. It's because you're not preparing yourself for the moment. I read this article one time, Jack Nicklaus, one of the greatest golfers ever. And they asked him the same question. They said, how are you not afraid when you putt that putt at the Masters, that four-foot putt at the Masters, and there's millions of people watching, and you're getting up there, and there's cameras there's people and there's TV and everybody's watching you. And if you miss it, you lose. And if you make it, you win. How do you not freak out? Some of you right now are like, ah. like already you're scared. Not even you. You're just, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine. So you all say that. You're like, I could never do that. And, and Jack, this is the funny thing. He goes, he goes, he goes, whoa, I, I, you know how I made that four foot putt? He goes, I wasn't afraid. They go, how are you not afraid? He goes, cause I did that 10,000 times before when ain't nobody was around. So when I walked up to that four-foot putt, I had done it so much. It was just kind of like second nature. And can I just tell you the difference between you being fearful and not fearful in a moment when the enemy attacks you and the wind comes and the storm makes you feel crazy is really you being able to go, I've done this before. I've done this before. You ever met somebody who's been through life and you freaking out about you missing a paycheck and they're like laughing at you? And they're like... <laughs> And they're like, why aren't you afraid? Like, what? And he goes, I've just been there before. It's all good. I saw God do it. It's amazing. Like, I'm prepared for this. 
What are they? Are they more spiritual than you? No, not necessarily. They just were more prepared than you. They said they rebuked some small storms so that they could rebuke some big ones. And some people don't like this point because they're like, I don't like to prepare. I just want to pray. Let God be my spiritual, you know, lifeguard. I like that better, right? And by the way, preparation with a Christian looks different than preparations that are not with people who are not Christian. Non-Christians prepare for the contingency. Christians prepare for the adversity. There's a difference. Nick, 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 Walenda said, he said this, he said, when I got up there, I didn't prepare to fall. I prepared to walk across the rope. And some of us in here, you live by fear because you are preparing in every part of your life to fall. Let me ask you a question. If I'm a tightrope walker, what is the goal of me getting on a tightrope? Is it to walk across the rope or to not fall? It's to walk across the rope. And so I'm calling you to your purpose. Christians, by, its ver- by our very definition, we need to prepare for our calling, not our falling. Right. You got somewhere to go. I'm trying to build your faith today and encourage you to stop being fearful. What would you do if you knew you were going to make it? Come on. What would you do if you knew you got on the boat and then went out into the water and you knew Jesus was right in your, your boat? What could you do? What would, risk would you take right now? Where would you go? God has called us to our calling, not our falling. Because that's how we prepare. We prepare for adversity. We don't prepare for contingency. Number three is this, and I'm done. We remember the past. We remember the past. So we respect the fear. We prepare for the fear, but we also remember the past. We remember the past. Remember what God did before, and he can do it again. I like this, verse 40. He says, he says this in Scripture. Then he asked them, why are you scared, bro? Why aren't you paying attention? I like that. Jesus goes, like, don't you remember? Don't you? What he was really saying, don't you remember Six hours before, and all of the miracles I did? Why are you, why are we still having the same conversation? Come on, parents. When you talk to your kids, why are we talking about this again? Right? You, you sometimes, we do this with our kids all the time. Go back and remember. Well, Dad, I don't remember. Go back and think about it. Go remember what I did for you before. Go remember when I was so good and you forgot so much. Because when you remember, fear disappears. Uncontrolled fear gives us spiritual amnesia. Isn't that true? Like God can totally receive, like redeem you, change your life, completely save you, and then Five seconds later, something could happen. A storm arises, and then you're like, I don't know what I'm going to (laughs) do. Facebook. (laughs) Somebody help me and pray for me, and you don't realize people are looking at you going like, I thought you were a Christian. I got more faith than you. I ain't even a Christian. You're supposed to be serving this big God who could do a bunch of things, and he's in your boat. And sometimes when we just remember what he did for us, I like what David, there's a part of scripture, and I'm done. 
David, remind, he said this. So like there was this big dude named Goliath. Clearly is a big dude when your name is Goliath. And so everybody's asking like, so the dude walks out, right? This is a summary of the David and Goliath story that y'all kind of know. The guy walks out and he's like, I'm ready to fight on behalf of my army. You send someone out to fight on your army. I'm ready to go. Let's do this. So that way we, don't, we just save all this bloodshed. We'll just have one person die instead of thousands. And so he walks out, draws the line, throws down the gauntlet. He's like, I'm sup. I'm here. And he, turned, and he goes, y'all got somebody? And everybody's like, you want to go fight this dude? Like anybody, anybody were like, I'm sick. Like I got my, like my arm hurts. I don't have my right stuff right now. My sword is broken. Uh, somebody find someone. And David's like, I'll do it. She's like a little tiny hand in the back. And what's funny about David is that like he was no like soldier. He's like shepherd boy. But you know what's funny? What he says, the Bible says this. This is crazy. This is what the Bible says. He says, the Bible says he remembers what he did before. He says this. He says, I fought a bear. God help me fight a bear. And then, and then God help me fight a lion. This is just a dude. I mean, I fought a bear. If I could fight a bear, it's just a dude. I'm, I'm just telling you, like, at some point, you guys and I, we're going to have to look at our fear and go, like, lost my job. God did something crazy for me before. Like, there's a bear, a, bear, a man. I fought a lion, like Mufasa, <laughs> right? And you, when, the more we remember, in fact, David even criticizes the children of Israel in Psalms chapter 106. He says they forgot their God, their Savior. And if you want to do, this is practical, y'all, right? This is me not, I'm telling you, this is me being like so practical with your hands. If you're afraid right now, remember what God did for you. Go back and remind yourself. Go back and say, no, he's too good. No, man, remember when I was sick that one time? I mean, like, he, he took out the bear of my sickness before. This ain't no big deal. You got to remind yourself where he brought you from because at some point, at some point, you're going to have an instant storm. and You got to remind yourself. Remembering shrinks our fear, grows our faith. I'm going to close with this. Um, remember, I, I I want to intensify. So if you're not, if you don't feel like fear is a big deal, I want to intensify and make an argument that it is. Because you need to realize every fear that you struggle with affects not just you. It always affects someone else. How we deal with fear affects other people. It just does. I like what the scripture starts off with. He says Jesus got onto a boat to get away from people. But did you notice that the scripture said, but then other boats followed? So although the scripture doesn't say what happened with the other boats while the storm was going on, can, we can probably ascertain and come to the conclusion that while that one boat was in a storm, the rest of the boats were as well. And that if they didn't have Jesus with them and didn't exercise the power of Christ over their fear, it didn't just affect them. Come on, it affected people around them. And I'll tell you this, that if you don't exercise Christ's power over fear in your life, it's not just affecting you. And your redemption and your freedom is honestly oftentimes other people's redemption and other people's freedom. Especially if you're married. Especially if you have kids. 
if you're walking in relationship with people, you are not called to be a fear-driven culture. We're called to be a faith-driven culture. So you thought I was going to talk about fear. Really, this whole series is about faith. Because Jesus said, why are, you, why are you afraid? You have little faith. He was, he was, come on, he was comparing and contrasting. He's saying, if you're afraid, you can't be faith-driven, right? And you're called to be men and women of faith. My encouragement to you today is stand in faith. And I think God will get us through the craziest storms of life.